I'm so sorry. I thought I turned this off. That's my mother. No, it's okay. She literally already knew that I was had other stuff going on. But she likes to call to check in. Welcome to the yarn. I'm Colby Sharp. Today we continue our Unraveler series. In each episode, a book creator will take you inside one of their books, their inspirations, fears, frustrations, triumphs, epiphanies, the whole thing pulled apart, unraveled. I sat down with Kelly Barnhill at Ann Ursu's house during NCTE last November in Minneapolis. Kelly was the very first person we interviewed for this series, and the joy that she carries with her quickly calmed my nerves. In this episode, Kelly talks about who she writes for, her process, and how her workdays have changed as her kids have grown. It's time to unravel Kelly Barnhill's The Witch's Boy. When I started this book, I was intending to write a straight adventure story. Uh, I wasn't really intending to uh, grapple with anything that, I don't know, might make me cry in a coffee shop while I was writing a certain chapter, for example. And gosh, I got a lot of stares that day um, uh, because I just started just sobbing. I was not intending to write a book about grief, but... Once I started writing the story and once um, once certain truths started to reveal themselves to me, uh, it became clear that I was writing a book about grief. And, and not only that, that I needed to be writing a, a book about grief. As, as a kid, I uh, knew loss in all kinds of different ways and had lost people who were very important to me. I think any anyone who writes middle grade fiction is writing for their audience, but they're also writing for themselves as children, um, I'm always writing for 11-year-old me. 11-year-old me was uh, was a really lonely kid and a grieving kid, so it became incredibly important to me to write a book about grief. So my workday involves more wasting time than I wish, um, but so... Earlier in my in my career, when my kids were small, my workday began at four in the morning, and um, I would get up at four, and I would write until six, and then I would wake up my daughter at six and get her ready for school, and then really not be able to write again until the kids went to bed, sometimes at nap time, but not very often. And that was really hard, and I wrote really terrible fiction during that time. When the kids got a little bit bigger, I was able to write during school time. It imposed a, uh, a certain regulation regularity into my work that I think is really important um, because creative work is so haphazard and random and uh, the more that I can have you know some kind of regularity and order on uh, the creation of creative work it's helpful for me. I typically do my composing in longhand um, and I uh, I, I like the quietness of, of just 
pen and paper. I like the scritching sound. I, I like it that there's no like hum of the computer at all. And I also like it, quite frankly, that it keeps me off of the, the blasted internet. Um, but in my head, I'm not thinking blasted. And that's useful because there's all kinds of things that conspire to distract us and, um, and conspire to fill our heads with all kinds of other voices that are not our own and are not the voice of the story that we have to really be honing in on and listening to. And so uh, so I really like pencil and paper. And then usually I'll put that away and then recompose the typewritten manuscript uh, by memory. And then I'll refer back, I'll, you know, but I'll keep it in a separate room for whatever reason. I don't know why, but I'll, I'll do that and I'll look at it and I'll think about it. And then I'll just try to like go back into that place and, and, and immerse myself into the scene and make the scene again. When I write for middle grade kids, I am really writing for 11 year old me who was a bullied kid, who was a, um, a lonely kid, who was a really odd child. My God, I was a weird kid. But, you know, I look at that child that I used to be and I love that child, right? And I love that child the way that a mother loves a child, right? In the same way, when I write middle grade characters, I think about those characters from the point of view of... 11-year-old me, I also think of that child from the point of view of 41-year-old me, who mothers everybody, right? There is that kind of like trying to wrap this person up in love and care uh, from the point of view of a mom. So I wrote this book because I, um, I could see Ned, and I could see his loneliness, and I could see his um, him str- um, struggling with survivor's guilt, right? I could see him feeling like it should have been me who died and not my brother who I loved. I could see him from my uh, 11-year-old self who has had would feel things like that too. And I could see that person from my 41-year-old self who um, who says, I need to wrap you up in this blanket and sing to you for a little bit until you feel better. That's why I wrote the, this book from this place of love and care. What you hope for the book is the same thing as what you hope for um, your your kids when they go off to school, right? I um, came here actually after a not entirely pleasant conversation with my son's teachers and principal, and he's having a rough time, right? And uh, and what makes him have a rough time at school right now is that his teachers don't see him; they just don't see him. And he's had teachers who have seen him, have seen his uh, his exuberance as, as well as, as his empathy and his whole self. And his teachers this year just can't see him. And, um, and it's causing all kinds of problems, right? When we write a book, we put it out into the world and all we can really hope for is that somebody sees it. And, and, um, and sees these characters the way that we see them and cares about these characters the way that we see them. I don't think any of us write a book hoping that it's going to change the world, and but we do hope that somebody else has that same sense of love and care that we do. And even if it's only one, that's okay. That's, that's my hope for the book. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Yarn. Thank you to Kelly Barnhill for sitting down and chatting with me on that cold November day. Thank you, Anne or Sue, for opening up your lovely home. And shout out to Philip Stead for recording this awesome 
theme music. If you have an idea for a season or episode of The Yarn, shoot us an email, theyarnpodcast at gmail.com or a tweet at The Yarn Podcast. Travis and I are stepping out on a limb, taking a leap, and recording an episode live June 25th at ALA. Please join us that Saturday at 3 p.m. at the Pop Top stage in the exhibit hall. We can't wait to unravel Kate DiCamillo's Ramey Nightingale. Have a great day, everyone.